Hello, welcome to episode 140 of Three Bears a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with Barry. And Barry, we are again social distancing, we're well with each other, but for the first time on the Three Bears app, we can see each other. It's yes. nice. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're now officially joining the rest of 2020 and downloading Zoom. Yep, we, we, we held off for as long as possible and realised, you know what, we can't download this damn thing. The rest, every other podcast on the planet is using Zoom, so we are now forced to use Zoom as well. Um, but it's nice yes. to talk to and see you as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Are you enjoying my background? Yes, um, I'll put a picture up on our on our um, Twitter page. But Barry has got a Tiger King background. Um, <laughs> it there, somehow you managed to Photoshop yourself into the the place of the Tiger King. So it was like you with the tiger. That would be the yes. Best. But you have not done that. Is, what was the guy Joe Exotic? That's his name, isn't it? Yeah, Joe Exotic. With Joe Exotic with his tiger. Um, and Barry looking not at all scared by the fact that there's a raging crazy homosexual <laughs> and a tiger behind them. Um, <laughs> but we're doing this obviously because we are still in the throes of coronavirus. I want to say we're kind of in the middle of coronavirus, but I don't even know if we're in the middle of coronavirus. This might be like sort of the beginning of the end of coronavirus or the end of the beginning. I'm, I'm really not sure where we are with the virus. It's sort of, we're, we're, we're in it. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're still here. Um, luckily enough, our dear leader, has opted for another three weeks of lockdown, which is probably the best call, because yeah. I've seen a lot of people uh, using it and quoting it as health before wealth, and I yes. thought such a poignant three words means so much, yeah. you know? Um, I think the problem we've got us now is our, the Scottish leader um, is saying three weeks lockdown continues, but the government, the British government leader seems to be saying they want to sort of bring some sort of partial end to it um, as of mm. Monday. So it seems like mixed signals. It's so silly. You know, it's like you get people, some people go, well, I'll listen to the Prime Minister, I'll listen to the First Minister. It's like you've got to have a more, I think, more unified yeah. um, statement from all parties, really, to, to understand rather yeah. than one person saying one thing or person saying another thing. The one good thing is, with us doing another three weeks, is just simple. It keeps us in line because uh, this is, by the end of the three weeks, this is what Italy had done. By yes. then, it was nine weeks. And by the end of the three weeks, we'll be up to nine weeks. Yeah, and as yeah, you've yeah. seen, in Italy, a lot of things have now opened back up again. Yeah. So, we've already trudged through this. What's another fucking three weeks? You know what I, I mean? Agree. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally... And I'm actually, I've reached the point that I realise that even if it ends tomorrow, my working life will probably be the way it has been for the past four weeks. I will be at home. I, think, I don't think I'll be going to the office any time in the next six to eight months. I don't well, think I'll be yeah. alone. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, it's going to be on a bit a business to business like thing, uh, but it's one of those things where do you honestly think can companies who run offices and all that do you think they're going to be that keen to be rushing everyone back in? They no, won't be. Not. They'll end up staggering folk, you know, as much issue. as they can. There's yeah, a liability issue. If someone in your office gets sick because you're telling them to come back too early, they're not working without you know guilty of. You know, negligence in some way, so they've got to be careful of that yeah. as well. So they will not work. People working up these sort of close quarters offices will not be calling anyone back until either a the virus has disappeared, which probably won't happen for a long time, or there's some sort of um, uh, antidote or you know, you know, sort of jagging gets to stop it. You know, that's the only reason yeah. they'll actually bring people back at that point. Can you honestly see your work paying out? Uh, 60 grand for your death if you die at the work because of COVID like an no. NHS worker? Legally, no. legally they have to but they won't want to and that's the problem. If I, if, I will not be the, if I was to go I would not be the first person to go in my office 
So um, they, they're paying out a lot of money uh, and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, they will not be wanting to do that. So I, I don't think I'll be back in the office for at least at least another six months. I reckon, I reckon at least six months. So that I can say yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and because of that, like I said, as we always have been for the past five or six weeks now, we're not going to cinema. So we're watching stuff at home. And so last week, as always, I gave Barry a list of things to watch that I was going to watch as well. And for the first time, I think, in this whole thing, we've watched all four things, haven't we? We're, we're all, we've done it all. We're, we're, we're totally in sync with each other this, this week. It's not yes. like one, one you missed, one I missed, but this week we're all good. Yep. It, the moon's aligned. First thing we're going to talk about is a documentary that can be found on Amazon. And it's a documentary called No Stone Unturned which is directed by Alex Gibney. Now, Alex Gibney's a guy who's done a lot of documentaries. You've probably seen a few of them in the past. He's done the one called The Last Gladiators, one about the hockey goons. Remember that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. He's done the one Zero Days as well. It's on Netflix about the sort of the end of the world and all the, like, the nuclear bombs that might go off and the fact that, you know, um, the virus that might cause that. Yeah, no, yeah I haven't seen that one. Look, at, look out for it. Sounds it. Good, really good. Really good. It's called Zero Days. He also did one Catching Hell, which is all about um, the baseball fan who caught the ball at the Chicago Cubs game, and because of that, oh the, yeah, 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 and yeah, because yeah. of that, they lost the game. Also, he became basically sort of like a celebrity macabre. You know, they were going to kill him in the stands. It's all about this guy's life after it. Really good documentary. But I've done a lot of sport ones. Um, yeah, got one called the Armstrong Lie recently. The one about um, Lance Armstrong, all about his life and his like sort of getting caught out with cheating and him trying to like come back in some way, but at the same time. It was all about you know him being trying to like restore his restore his um, sort of public image, but at the same time knowing that he can't. So quite an interesting one there. But the one he got really famous for early early doors was one called um, Enron, the smartest guys in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. He's done. So you, you know his work. He's, he's been around for a while and he's done some really interesting, uh, really interesting work. So yeah, he, he has a really. Strong... I've also sorry man. Oh sorry, but you go. Uh... I was. Uh, I've also seen another one that he's done. It's called Going Clear, the Scientology one. Oh yeah, yeah, I watched that one as well. Yeah, good one. Yeah, it's awesome. really he good. Recently, wasn't it? Yeah. So that's like. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't shy away from sort of dark subjects and interesting subjects, and he, he does cover a whole sort of pantheon of of things. Um, so this one's all about a shooting that happened in 1994 in Irish bar uh, during the World Cup. During Ireland are playing Italy, um, and about. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the game, somebody breaks into the bar and shoots indiscriminately into the bar um, and kills, I think it was seven people they killed, seven or eight people they killed. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, it, it is all, it's, it's a paramilitary hit. It's, it's the, um, the UVF take the blame for it. The documentary is more all about how the police seem to really sort of not investigate it as much as they could have done. And as a family try to find justice for the people who are killed, they feel that the police didn't do enough to, to find out who actually done the killings, and in many ways they feel the police may have even been implicit and in, involved in this in some way. Um, and it's just all about that. What did What did you think of it? I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, yeah. I find it quite educational as well. Um, after the main story kind settles down, it goes into just generally the whole trouble that was in Ireland at that yeah. time which is quite educational and that side of things. Um, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed that. I thought it was a really good documentary. Yeah. Some, it's, it's bad to think about that this was only in the kind of like, this was all happening like in the kind of 80s and early 90s, mm. which isn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things. 
No, it's, it's not me, Mike, and Sterling, you know. It's crazy. My dad served in Ireland. That's the thing, you know. So it's within mm. like my lifetime that my dad was in Ireland, you know. So it's really yeah. close. To it. So um, I did think it. I thought it was excellent as well. I, I, I thought it was. It, was a, it doesn't hide from darkness that's involved in it, and it tends to embrace the full topic and the full mm. pantheon of what was involved in this. You know, um, it does feel a little bit. Maybe you got more out than I did because it's. It seems to be made for American audiences, so it's trying to explain the whole concept of the troubles. And I was sort of like, yeah, I know what the troubles are. I, I, I'm, I'm well aware of what all this stuff is. So that bit, yeah. you know, we, not the end of it, just there's a wee kind of maybe 10 minute segment where it's basically explaining how the troubles happen. I'm going, who, who doesn't know this? But I realize it's, it's made for an audience who might not know exactly what the what, what that's about. I also felt a little bit at times it kind of oversimplified what the troubles were. Um, <laughs> you can never remember that either. Um, <laughs> so, so it kind of it paints the the IRA side I think, too much as sort of heroes a little bit when yes they're not heroes um, it doesn't vilify the UVF and the sort of that side but it doesn't paint them in quite the same light as the IRA so it does it doesn't I wouldn't say it's it's pro IRA but it's definitely more shaded towards them as being sort of like the unjust, they're the, the ones who are fighting the good cause, I, I felt like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it really does paint the state, the British state, as the true enemy, which mm. I totally get from the point of view of where you're, if you're coming from a more pro-IRA stance, that is absolutely it's a valid point to make. I don't think the British state was um, the enemy because they're fighting a war, so if you fight a war, you have, you, would, you would deal with them suddenly. Shooting 91 back in the back of a bar is, is not obviously justifiable in any shape or form. But they yeah. seem to, what documents seem to do a lot, which annoyed me a little bit, was it made out that this act, tied for other acts, they're all completely irrehensible because, you know, everything they done, everything that the UVF and the British government done was bad, and everything they mm. done wasn't as bad. And it's like, you know, both sides were pretty fucking horrendous. No, you should Aye, they were just as bad side. as each other. Yeah. I know. Um, I think that it would have been better if, if that side, if the documentary had just went straight down the middle with yeah. it, rather than kind of trying to lean. But I guess in a, in a narrative story, you always have to have a bad guy and a good guy. Totally, you know? yes. Um, and to, to be able to tell a story or tell any sort of narrative about the, the, the Irish troubles without mm. swaying to one side or the other is extremely difficult. It's it's really hard to do. It's always impossible to do. Um, I read a book recently called what was the book called again? Ah, oh, what the name of this book? Oh, I'll tell you the name of this. It's a really interesting book, all about the troubles, and it's done a really good, good job of remaining completely down the line. Yeah. You know, just telling you the telling you the instance, telling you the story, but not in any way sort of passing judgment on on who mm-hmm. was involved and on who to blame or who was not to blame. You know. Yeah, um, and I think that's like a really good thing. Like that in itself is a skill. Yeah. To have that kind of way where you can just stay down the middle, especially when it's it's not as bad as it was at the time, but there's still a very underbelly tone. Like sorry, there's still an underbelly to all of that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is still prevalent um in parts of like uh, Glasgow and that. Yeah. You know? It doesn't it doesn't some people don't tend to shy away from it. Yeah. And for some reason people haven't moved on either. Aye, maybe that's the problem with when, we, when I was watching it, like because we grew up in Glasgow and that has got a, a strong sort of element of this part of it, we mm-hmm. kind of know some of the story, we, we know a lot about it. So it felt like it, a lot of parts of the documentary felt a bit 
not necessary to us because we kind of know a lot of stuff. The, the, the book I was reading was called Say Nothing. That's what it's called, a true story of, of murder and memory in Northern Ireland. It's a really interesting book about, about the actual troubles himself. Um, this is a really good companion piece to that. Um, just sort of just telling. Because what, what they do, it starts off with one story, you know, the story about the shooting in the bar. And then it tells you sort of the bigger history of Northern Ireland and the, the, the history of the troubles in itself. But ultimately, it swings it back around to just the story of the family in the bar and they want to tell and they want to try and get their story out. So I did like how, how it started out in one place, went a meander to find out other stuff, mm. but ultimately it comes back to the one thing was sort of the, the base of it, which was this shooting in a bar when nine guys were killed for pretty much no reason whatsoever. And yeah. talking to the, yeah. the, 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 the barman who survived it, you just see him, it, it, it destroyed his life. You know, yeah, that is a bro- that is a broken man when you see him. Ah, you know, you know, you can you can see him in, in the pictures. You see, like, um, stillful guy. He looks, he looks like a happy, fun guy, and and he played, he played football, he played hurling, he was out, he had lots of friends, and then you see him now, he's just, he's just a broken man. Just he's been absolutely mm. destroyed by this one single act in his life. Um, but yeah, it is a completely compelling documentary. I thought it was really interesting. I did learn quite, I did learn some stuff from it. And, and ultimately, it felt like a, a really well-told story that mm. needs to be told, I think, as well. I think the problem with this kind of stuff is it's becoming too much like history. And like you said, mm. it's not history. It happened pretty recently. You know, yeah, kind of like in the things. grand scheme of things, it, it's less than 40 years ago, uh-huh. you know? And it shouldn't, that, something like that shouldn't just be swept, because like, they're almost, they make a point of, like, you know, this allowed this to happen. It feels like it, they're trying to say, the death justified the means. It's like I don't think I don't think any death justified any means, you know, and it's no. it's almost been swept away as idea like, well Gary died but this happened because and it's like mm, you need to you need to mm. justify it more than that, I think. Um so I thought it was a really yeah, well done absolutely. documentary. Um much in the same if you like Alex Gibney documentaries, you'll enjoy this one because it does it tells a well told story. Um I would give it a very solid eight out of ten. Nice. nice. Yeah I'll join you on that one. I'll join you I'll say eight as well. As well, next one. Next film is one that's also on Amazon, um, which is called Hold Your Breath, um, directed by Daniel Robbie, um, who, who, who's a Canadian, French Canadian director who did a film called White Skin and Funky Town, which I've not seen, but they did get decent reviews. Um, the plot of this film is there's like an earthquake in Paris. Um, mm-hmm. After the earthquake, though, there's a sort of gas rise out from the sewers and from underneath the ground and basically blankets the entire city. But it's, it's very poisonous. If you're in the gas for more than a few seconds, it pretty much kills you. But it settles maybe about three stories up, isn't it? Maybe the third story of the building, doesn't it? It sort of settles there and doesn't. Yeah, move. that's correct, yeah. Yeah. So then there's the story follows a, a couple who have been like, recently estranged, but they've got a young daughter who's living in sort of a bubble. She's got a disease where she's, she can't be exposed to any germs, and they're trying to find a way to get her safe and also get her out of a bubble. And away from the gas, and I know, I know eventually her bubble will run out of power and she will die. So it's them trying to find a way through through Paris to do that. Um, and the film yeah. you get Romain Duress, uh, Olga Kulienko, who turns up in everything, uh, Fontaine Hardoun plays the young girl, and Michelle Robin plays the sort of older man in it who sort of turns up in a confidant for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. I'll start with this one. I actually quite enjoyed this film. I was surprised at how much I liked it. At the look, when I saw the poster of a very disposable action film, you know, one that's made for next to nothing, um, and and went straight to video, you know. But I think it actually a wee bit better. I think it showed. I think I actually got a lot of screens in France. Just never really got much cinema time over here. Um, 
and I'm always interested to see how different countries take on something that we've seen a lot of before. So we've all seen the, the disaster movie before. We've all seen it through, or usually through the American guys and the American lens. So to see it through sort of yeah. this French window was a bit different, mm-hmm. you know, seeing how the French would look at this kind of thing. Um, so I really enjoyed that, the kind of, kind of alternate take on the genre. Um, I thought the two leads were particularly good. I thought they were the, the, they were very believable as a couple who had been together, had separated, but still had a lot of affection for each other. And I, and I, kind, of, mm-hmm. and I kind of got that from them. Um, I thought it was pretty tense for most of it. It did keep me on edge for the majority of the film. I was kind of wondering what was going to happen. Um, yeah. And because of it, so it's set in like deserted streets and people sort of clambering for help at times, it, it seems strangely prevalent, even though it was made in like 2017. It's, um, it felt yeah, very yeah. much like something for now. Um, the only downside I would say, I thought the, the conclusion was a little bit rushed. It felt a bit, I wasn't really, I, I felt a bit let down by the end of the film. But overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was a decent enough action film, and I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I did. I really did have quite low expectations going into it. What about yourself? What did you think of it? Yeah, I did actually enjoy it a lot. Um, I'm quite a big fan of disaster movies anyway. Yeah. But uh, I did actually enjoy it. I found it. Like I said, like you said, it's just a really interesting, different angle of yeah. a disaster movie. You know, you don't have the kind of the classic scientists telling the government, and then the government not listening, and then ultimately they went, "Oh, we probably should listen to him." Or her. And you're just about like, yeah, it was kind of good. I liked it. I liked how it didn't really explain anything. Yeah, which was kind of nice. That's what you're saying, you know, American the films, they all have the same idea of, like, it's the scientist, who, and then he's trying to get everybody away. And, he, and basically, the guy you're following at the start of the American film, he always eventually is the reason how he managed to stop it or save the world. The two people in this, yeah. they're not trying to save the world. All they're trying to do is save their daughter. So they, they have no interest in what caused it. They just know they have to yeah. survive it. And that's, that's the more interesting part. Is it gets very kind of ground-level, kind of insular as to what's going on. And you, like I so you don't really, you don't find out really what's going on. You just know something has happened. So in that case, I had a kind of almost Cloverfield feel about it. You know something's mm, going yeah, on, yeah. you know it's something dangerous, but you're, you're not really too, you don't really concern yourself with what it is right now. All you know is they're in danger, they have to get out of danger. I also I also ended up Googling uh, the disease that the daughter had. It turns out that that's actually a real disease. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I liked that how like, when I Googled it, uh, one, one of the images was one of the first people to get it, and it was a wee boy. And they had literally put him in what can only be described as a child's astronaut suit. Oh, that's right. what he looked like. He had a, a, a fishbowl for a helmet. Oh. <laughs> I think like, they usually, like, they're not called like bubble children or something. They used to live in these sort of like, yeah, bubbles yeah, yeah, that you yeah, yeah. around. And it's, um, it's a very strange sort of disease that you're completely, any, any sort of um, toxins from the outside world will essentially kill you. It doesn't mm. seem like much of a life people have because they're basically confined to completely sterile environments, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I'm definitely 100% behind you on I found like the last act of the movie was completely rushed. Yeah. And I felt that that could have just been slowed down or even maybe explained a wee bit better yeah. without spoiling it about how certain things happened yeah. with the daughter and all that kind of stuff. I just was a bit like, uh uh, I quite I thought that scene with the uh, with the old couple was quite sweet as quite well. Touching, yeah. yeah, yeah, I found that quite touching. Um, like because they never really explained. Uh, this is a real spoiler, but they didn't even really explain why 
all the people were going to slightly ground, you know. But yeah. it kind of just it showed you, and then that was it, yeah. you know. Which I was it didn't really because you're only seeing what you're only really you only you only have the information that the two lead mm. characters have. You're not really getting any extra information. You you only learn what they learn. Um, yeah. But then, like you said, the end of the film, it's um, they either should have they felt they either should have explained it better and have some even if a scientist run in and go, "This is what happened," blah 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 blah. In that case, like, okay, go mm. and answer, or don't explain anything, just leave it completely up to the audience to make up their mind. But they kind of left in this sort of weird, hazy middle ground where you're going, ah, it, "It could be this, it could be that." And it felt it felt non-committal, but it felt they were pushing, mm. they were getting pushed towards doing an actual and an, an inclusive ending, which seemed a bit of a shame. Um, if it, I feel like it tied up, either tied up completely better, or not tied up at all. But by doing sort of a half tie mm. up, it, it, I thought it, it left me. I get a kind of a bit, a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. I was like, nah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not totally loving the, the ending of this. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I found it all very well set as well. It was because like it kind of like. It's such an easy thing for maybe a movie that doesn't have a massive budget to get round. Yeah. Because a lot of it all took place within that apartment block. And then the few scenes that you do see them outside, as you know, it's like the thing's covered in fog. So it's really easy to not have the whole Paris city being shown. Yeah. Because you don't ever see them past State Building, for example. Not in past State Building, uh, Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower. Yeah. You don't see that at all. I think you see Notre Dame. You kind of get yeah. one point. Yeah, you once. see the Eiffel Tower once. Or do you? I, I can't remember seeing it. It's it's very early on, right? Um, and I think it's when the gentleman is up on the roof. See when he, he clambers right to the roof. He does right to the roof. You do, but it's like it's a way way in the distance. Yeah, because like, if it wasn't because they live in the suburbs, they're like sort of like well out in the city. They're sort of, they're not in mid, they're not in the middle of Paris. Then they're sort of like it's the suburbs. Yeah. The residential area—that's that's where they live. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye. It's—I uh, liked it. I liked, I liked it. it a lot. Uh, I gave it seven out of ten. What about yourself? Oh, nice, cheeky. Um, I'm going to punish it. I'm going to give it six and a half, just oh. purely because of, just because the last bit was so <clears throat> rushed and unexplained. Right. Know? Okay. Fair enough. Um, but surprisingly yeah. better than expected. That's, I think that's the main point to get from this. Better than expected. Oh, 100%. is genuinely worth your time watching that, 100%. Yeah. Um, and for a 90-minute movie, it does gallop. It doesn't oh, hang yeah. about. Yeah, and there's plenty yeah. going on in it. That, so it's, it's completely worth your time. Especially on a Friday night and there's nothing else to watch. It's a completely viable film to watch. Um, next up is one that's on Apple+. Plus. Um, I didn't know I had Apple+, Plus until I checked this out. And apparently I do have Apple+, Plus. So I was happy. Yay. Um, yeah. I've been on to Apple Plus. I can't realise there's not a lot on Apple Plus. Apple Plus is still building up its its catalogue of 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 things. There's like literally five things on it just now. I think so. Um, this is one of the ones. Okay. And it's, the, it's a documentary. It's a, it's called the Beastie Boys story. Very simple title. It's about the Beastie Boys. Um, directed by Spike Jones, who did um, Her and Where the World Things Are, and also has done I think at last count about 15 million music videos. All the kind of really mm-hmm. amazing that you remember he done. Like he done the one with um, as a, a Fat Boy Slim on the Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, done that one. I'm sure he's done like loads of the Bjork videos. He's done tons of. He's, he's done any. He's literally done all like thousands of movies. He's one of these guys who's been around for ages. Um, but he's also done uh, some feature films. He's done a couple of documentaries as well. Um, he might have been directed at the Jackass film. I think he's involved with that somehow. I think I'm sure he's involved with Jackass somewhere as well. 
involved in everything. Um, so there is no plot to this film. It's very simple. It's telling the story of the Beastie Boys from when they were like pre-teens up until mm-hmm. kind of up until maybe the late nineties, really. Sorry, early two thousands. It tells the story right up until that point because um, yeah. there's something happen. Everyone knows. And one of the members of the band die, and once once he died, the band just decided we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to try and bring another member in. We're not going to try and continue on. They're just going to that's it. We're done. We're not a band anymore, which is really brave. A lot of bands don't do that. So they'll try, and, especially a band like these boys who were a massive like mm. festival band who are making millions because of this. They say no, just, this is it. We're done. And so I, I think so. I I don't like the fact that Sublime tour with a guy. And they call themselves Sublime with whoever this guy is. Aye, aye. And when I seen them, it's got the vibe of Sublime, but you just know it's just not Sublime. Aye. If that makes sense to you. It's like when you Queen know? go on stage and it's Queen with like Paul Rogers, you go, right, it's still decent, but it's not it's not the Queen everyone wants to see, you know, it's not the Queen. Yeah. You know, um yeah. So in the, in the film you it's basically it's basically a stage show with a kind of slideshow behind them, a kind of like a very well done slideshow. And these guys are just yeah. telling a story. It's it's obviously it's it's not off the cuff. It is scripted, um, and there's stuff yeah. in there that sort of they're, they're they're playing a role, but essentially they're just telling the story. And um, so it might be an Adam Horowitz. So the two guys are telling the story, and um, and Adam Youch was the other Beastie Boys who uh, Beastie Boy member who passed away. Before we go on, are you a Beastie Boys fan? I I am. I I'm not like a big fan, but I certainly enjoy all the classics. Yes, you know. I'm the same. I enjoy the classic hits. I enjoy, and I actually quite enjoy listening to them as people talking. Like, they yes. seem very, like even before this, they seem like very switched on guys. They seem like guys who, you know, I could see myself hanging about with them. I could see myself having a drink with them. I could see myself being friends with them. Um, you know, compared to other other rock stars. Um, so that's I'm much as well. I, and I can rattle off the hits of Beastie Boys. I know some of the kind of more obscure ones, but mainly it's the hits. And I do think Sabotage is the greatest song. Of all time, yeah. I think it's one of the most just truly brilliant tracks. Um, so, I think it's just such an an, an iconic opening as well. Oh, it's like the minute sorry, the minute that bass goes, you know exactly what song that is. You know, I remember when I was in the cinema watching the most recent Star Trek film. And spoilers for the Star Trek film, but it ends the big climactic battle in it is set to sabotage, and I literally awesome. punched the air in the cinema. Like excited for this, and I, I was like, I was like fucking going mental for this, and like I'm just like going, set the fuck down. What is wrong with you? And I'm like, it just, <laughs> it just, it taps into that real kind of like emotional guttural place in you. Like, it's yeah, just a great song. Um, but yeah, so on the documentary itself, I thought it was a really unique way of doing it. It was, it's not what I expected. I was expecting mm. more of a traditional music documentary that we've watched. Me and you yeah, both yeah. watched recently. Um. So at first it is quite jarring to see how they're doing it, you know. Um, they're sort of it's very, it's very odd that you know it's it's literally it's just a stage show and it feels like you're not watching a movie. It feels like you are just watching something in the theatre. Yeah, which kind of threw me for a bit. But once you get past that, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I absolutely loved it from start to finish. I loved how it's, yeah there was sorry I loved how it was oh, sorry, like part, I loved how it's part like kind of historical documentary like about who the band were where they came from you know mm. what they've done but also it's like basically it's two guys who are now in the, they must be in their 50s now like close to 50 sort of looking back at mm. just looking back at the like 18 year old self and, and judging them for going you're a fucking idiot man you should not have been doing that and 
there's a bit when they're talking about the Beastie Boys used to have a girl in the band, mm. which I didn't know. And they basically kicked her out because the studio told them to kick her out because they didn't they wanted to be the Beastie Boys, not with a girl. And they, yeah. I think from what you said, they feel bad about that. Like, this is something they feel like, this is, that was a really shitty thing we did. And it's in yeah. terms of that to an extent. Yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed it. It was, like you said, like a different take on a music documentary. Some bits I found were a bit jarring. It would have, that, certain bits would have fitted the more traditional way of doing it. Yep. But for the most part, I found it actually quite entertaining because the two of them obviously still have very good chemistry together yep. and it comes across on stage. So when they're telling the stories, it flows so well. Yeah. And I do believe this is part of a tour, I believe. Yeah. So it's like, when they were talking in that, it's like you can see a bit of the kind of banter and a little bit of the kind of unscripted, off-the-cuff remarks about things, and it just adds to the whole like, story about it. Yeah, and I totally, I, I got that as well. It feels very much like it, it's, it, it doesn't feel like it's static at any point. It feels like it's very much a living, no. breathing thing. You know, it feels like the one, the one they recorded and you saw, would, if you'd saw that in our night, it would be slightly different. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the, the bits in it that would be the same, but the bits in it would be, oh, shit, that, that's different from what I saw. Um, what really got me the most was, and it was really the final like, sort of 25 minutes, was as much as it's about the band and it's about them looking back on life, ultimately what it's all mm. about is them paying tribute to their friend, you know? Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful about it. It's two guys who clearly love this man, like, beyond all measure. They, they grew up together, they've been friends for, they're friends for, like, 30-odd years. Um. And from what you get from the band, he was sort of like the driving force of the band. He was the sort of, he came up with a name, he came up with, and he was the sort of guy who wanted to be in a band in the first place. And kind of all the stuff of greatness that came from the band, it was sort of from his mindset. He went and learned random shit just to, or new random mm. shit that could make things sound great. Like he went and just done the baseline from Sabotage, like, like off the cuff essentially. And yeah, like, and the stuff he was doing, the record tables and the mixing and stuff, that was all kind of came down to him. And it's just them saying, I would say in a way they're saying goodbye to the friend. I don't even know if they're saying goodbye to the friend. They're just sort of making sure there's something down for the record of what they feel about their friend. And to me, that, yeah, was, absolutely. that, that was so emotional and so touching to watch. Yeah, it was. It was actually really lovely. Even I found myself not so much tearing up, but sitting there certainly with a lump in my throat. Yeah. Just, just simply enjoying the how these guys have been in a band for like, I don't know, 20, 30 odd years. But yet, even at the end, they still, like, they could never really figure out what he was going to do next. Yeah. You know, he was just one of those kind of guys. And that's, I found, quite nice about it all. It's just yeah. like, you know, it was just, it was just nice. Was, the whole entire thing was just such a nice, warm feeling to end the show with. That's, that's really, and that's what got me as well. And even Gil, who, Gil doesn't know anything about the Beastie Boys. She was completely, like, doesn't know anything about the band. She didn't really know anything. Other than that, she knows that, like, Sabotage, that's pretty much all she knows. She was mm. sitting watching, honestly, really touchy, and she was totally bought into it, and she was totally embracing it, and she really enjoyed it as well, because it was so cool with such warmth and such happiness and such joy. Um, mm. Like I said, there is, there, is gen- there is darkness there, so they are, they are talking about things that they did that they don't, they're not proud of, and they're, yeah. and they're owning those mistakes, which is, which is really interesting. Yeah. And they're not blaming anyone else for those mistakes. They're saying, so when it came to like, them, them kicking the girl out of the band, they're saying stuff like, well, the record company wanted it, but we done it. You know, we chose to do it. You know, we, we could have said no. You know, when it came to like doing yeah. crazy shit to try and get publicity, we could have said no, but we did it. So you can't yeah. blame the record company. We done it. So um, that 
I think the style of the documentary might leave some people cold. It will people like yourself. Maybe you start off, you've got to really embrace that. If you don't embrace that, you might not enjoy. You probably won't enjoy it. But I think if you're a fan of Beastie Boys, it's well worth watching. Even if you're not a fan, even if you know peripherally you know their music, it's you, you've come out with so much respect and love, even more love for the the guys than, than you ever did in the past. It's so it's such a well put together piece of piece of film. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, man. It's um. The only kind of problem is it's on Apple TV. Yes. So that, I feel like just from that alone, I feel it's not going to get a lot of love and attention. That's the really horrific thing. I was saying that. I, mean, on Apple TV, I didn't even know I had Apple TV until I went and looked at it. I'm like, oh shit, I actually have Apple TV. And like, yeah. there's, nothing, uh, there's nothing on it. I got the opportunity to, to sign up to it for six months and I, and I patched it. And yeah. the only reason I was able to watch it is because Stacey's got it. Randomly, I get a new iPhone but yet I only get it for six months. Stacey somehow has it for a year. Well, we've got it somehow. Jill got it somehow for a year as well. I don't know how she got it, but she's got it for a year as well. So I don't know how. Yeah, she God only it. knows. Yeah, but we've got that. Um, out of 10, what are you giving it? I'm going to give it a solid eight because it is, it is just such a well done, different style of music documentary, yeah. and that's what helps it, you know? Um, yeah, so I agree with you, but I am going higher than eight. I am actually giving it a full 10. I, I absolutely loved it. Ooh. I was like 10 out of 10. So, the possibility, yeah. I think it might be a second 10 out of 10 this year, but yeah, I'm giving it 10. Oh. Um, it could what was be the first dumb. one, do you know? What was the first one, actually? Oh, Invisible Man. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, it could be that I'm so starved of entertainment that I, I, I need something to watch, and this is the first time I've had to watch that I really enjoyed. Maybe that's I'm giving it 10 out of 10. But I did love it. I thought yeah. it was great. I no, I... No, I loved it. I loved it. I don't know. Okay, well, here's the thing. Would you be rushing back to watch it again? No, but I would I would watch it again, and that's rare for a music documentary. There's very few music documentaries I would watch again. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to watch it tomorrow, but I can see myself, if I'm feeling maybe, maybe a bit down, or maybe just need something to perk me up, maybe a bit of happiness, I would, that's something I'd be made to put on and watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, cool. 10 out of 10. Right. 10 out of nice 10 one, man. So people should go and watch it. The last film is one I picked at random from Netflix. Um, it's an old movie um, that yes. I hadn't seen, you hadn't seen, but amazingly, your good lady was a huge fan of this film. Um, and that yeah. film is who the called, hell knew? Who the hell knew? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think anyone had seen this film. And it's called The Wizard. So it came out in 1989, yeah. um, directed by Todd Holland, who's only other really, he's done every single TV show for the last 20 years. He's done at least one episode of a, of a TV show, but the only other film of note I could find was one called, it's a really badly titled film called Kid Krippendorf's Tribe, which was all about a guy who uses, he, he blows his like sort of faculty budget, so he has to use his family in order to like sort of recreate a lost tribe in his back garden, and he films them and basically tries to pass this off as a, a lost tribe in the Amazon. It's got um, Jenna Elfman and Richard Dreyfuss in it. It's not particularly good, but I, I, I remember I do remember watching that film. Um, yeah. So, so in this film, it's all about the young boy who finds out who, who, who rescues his brother who's autistic from like sort of assisted living community, and they start they take like a road trip across California or something. That's, that's where the young boy yeah. wants to go. But on the way, they discover that the young boy is an amazing video game like stand-up arcade machine player, um, and yeah. they decide to enter into a competition. And it's in LA, isn't it? In LA. Um, to try yeah. and win like sort of this massive prize and become the king of the, the video games. Um, along the way, they're assisted by a, 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 a 
feisty young lady. Um, mm. At the same time, they're getting pursued by their brother and the dad who are looking for them and a sort of private investigator who's trying to find them before they find them first. He gets paid off. He gets paid for yeah. them. Um, and at the same time, there's many bad kids who are also trying to stop them from getting their goal, but the wee kid is so good at video games, he doesn't play them. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah, in the film, you've got Fred Savage, um, plays the, the, kind of the main brother. You've got Jenny Lewis, plays the, the feisty lady. And you've got Christian Slater turning up as a young Christian Slater as the brother. And you get Bo Bridges playing the dad as well. Um, yeah. What do you think of this one? You know, I watched it this morning, first thing, uh, while having breakfast. And, you know, I actually thought it was really sweet. And, you know, much the same, yes. Albeit, uh, however long, advert for Nintendo. Mm. But... <laughs> It's uh, you know, there's a lot of Nintendo products appearing. Yes. Um, yeah. Outside of that, I thought it was totally sweet, totally just absolute fucking harmless m- movie. Uh, a couple of questionable lines in the script that maybe wouldn't fly nowadays, but you know, it is what it is. It's Are you afraid what, what, what they refer to the young boy as at times? Uh, yes, yeah. and also, <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh. At one at one point, the private investigator says something roughly along the lines of, "I make, I make, what is it?" He said something like, "I get paid for capturing you kids or something like that," oh. and you're just like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> could be, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah." I'm the same as you. I thought it was, I thought it was a nice, lovely, well told 1980s teen romp, essentially yeah. very coming of age. Yeah. yeah. It's yep. not quite for me up there with stuff like Flight the Navigator or Short Circuit or Batteries Not Included, but I think that's part of the reason is I saw them at the right age. I'm watching yes. this film for the first time at 35. It's not having the same effect on me. Whereas you say, Stacey saw it when she was like really young and it stayed with her. She, she loves it. Yeah, I think someone that's maybe uh, maybe less than like 15, but not any younger than maybe 8. I think they would really enjoy it. I think that's the kind of Sunday afternoon demographic for it. But then if a, if a, if a 13 or 12 year old watches this now, they'll go, what the fuck are they playing? What the hell are they doing? What's an arcade machine? Like, <laughs> what, what is a power glove? Yeah, what is a, I, I, I forgot what a power glove it was. <laughs> um, and also, like, just not to spoil it, but at the end when you have like the sort of the game on, like they have the big kind of tournament in the, on stage, see the host of mm. that? thing like the kind of big is that who i think it is i don't know who it was but he was coked up to hell like there was like he was he'd a lot of energy oh did you see that um i think it was like it was before the final stage so it was like the kind of semi-final when it's the three of them ah or is it the last one anyway it's when the three of them are there on the stage and see at the end the guy the guy who's like the kind of commentator for all he flings his uh, clipboard no, he's, behind he's him a kid out. and almost wipes out the girl. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> so I'm saying that guy um, is that guy is totally coked up out of his head. He's like, he must have went to just, <laughs> you know, take it to eleven and then take it three further. Because he was like, he was just yeah. It feels like he's in, like he's almost like in a like a total like a kind of like a total recall like Running Man type film. Just he's like mm. he's talking the intensity of like a life or death struggle, and it's a, and it's about a video game. It was very odd, but it, was, it it brought some energy to it. That's that's for sure. Um, I'm I'm just currently trying to find the the actor who done it. Who do you think it was? Uh, 
See, now I'm kind of really doubt. Oh, is that him actually? Who do you think it was out of interest? Well, Stacy thought it was uh, Mr. Anderson from The Matrix. No, it's not. Yeah, that's what I know. It's not Hugo Weaving, though. Definitely not Hugo Weaving. Right, I think his name is Stephen Graves. Right. Has he done much else? Has he got a sizable career apart from this? No, he has Uh, not. No. No, he has starred in such classics as Beastmaster, Sinbad in the Monitor, Fatal Past, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Dangerous Games, Rapid Fear, Scooby-Doo, uh, Code Red, and yeah, that's, that's also... Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is a classic. Oh, he's starting Crocodile Dundee in Los, <laughs> Vegas, in, uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, oh, he's a good Crocodile Dundee, the, the, the third shit one. He starred in the sequel to... He starred in Highlander 2 and also Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Right. Highlander 2 is, is objective, objectively terrible. Um, what is what is Nightmare on Street Five? What's the what is Nightmare on Street Five? What's the colon after? What's the after it? Sorry, sorry. It is uh, the Dream Child. I don't know if that was like, it. My memory, I think Nightmare on Elm Streets are like you know the Star Treks. Every even numbers are good ones. Yeah, I can't remember, I can't remember if, if Nightmare on Elm Street is like every odd number is a good one. Mm. No, I can't remember. I can't. My Nightmare on Elm Street knowledge is poor. Anyway, back to this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. We all tried there. We all tried definitely a product of its time. It definitely feels like a film that's made for that audience and it's made for that time. Oh, 100%. So I think you say kids now might like it. I don't think kids now are going to get anything out of it. I don't think they'll understand anything that's happening in it. I think it now is purely a film for people like yourself who remember who remember that era. Like We still remember the yeah, console yeah. era. We still remember all the kind of games. I think anyone anyone older than no, this is not going to get it. Mm. Anyone younger than us okay. is not going to get it. I don't think. I think. I, I, well, the once all this lockdown shenanigans is over and we're all COVIDless, I'll uh, I'll get my nieces up and I'll put it on for them and I'll just see what happens. See how long you know? it takes to walk away from it to go. Don't understand this, Uncle Barry. I'm going away. I'm leaving. And then I'll pick them up and suplex them, and then I'll be like, "What do you mean you don't know about the power glove?" <laughs> so, um, out of ten, we're going to give it. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a solid seven. You know, it's sweet enough. Very much the same. Seven out of ten for me as well. I enjoy it for what it was. Absolutely. Um, that's all for this week, man. Next week, we've not really decided what we're going to watch. Next week, we've got uploads. It's on Amazon. Yeah. It's a TV series. I'll, I'll help you out with that one. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to try and watch that. And I will try and pick a couple of films or somewhere yeah. for us to watch as well. I'll, I'll give you a heads up early on in the week just so you can yeah, yeah. get a chance to watch them. But yeah, um, that'll be us next week. Um Tell me where to find us, Barry. Where can, where can they get us? All the usual social media haunts Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Three Beers in a Movie. That's great. And that's us for this week. I've been Richard. You've been Barry. And you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.